0: Werners and Hutchinson-Gilford Progeria syndromes are rare genetic diseases that cause children to appear to suffer from advanced aging at young ages. The syndromes are of particular interest to researchers because of the potential they may have to help understand the biology of normal aging and lead to ways to counter aging-related diseases. We spoke to Brian Kennedy, president and CEO of the Buck Institute for Research on Aging, about his progeria research the potential to repurpose existing drugs to combat these syndromes, and what insights into normal aging are being gained from the study of progeria. Brian, thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, anytime. Happy to be here.
0: We're going to talk about aging, a a rare childhood disease known as Werner and Hutchinson's Guilford Progeria Syndrome, and what one may tell us about the other. Let's start with Preserio. What is it? How rare is it? How does the disease manifest itself? And what is the prognosis for someone who has it?
1: It's an extremely rare disease. It affects about three or 400 kids worldwide. Uh, Typically, they get diagnosed in their first or second year of life uh, because they have a failure to thrive. And uh, this gets progressively worse. And, And the interesting thing from an aging perspective is they seem to Manifest with certain properties of aging, um, and the they don't have others. And so they get uh, cardiovascular disease, they get atherosclerosis, they tend to uh, die in their teens of heart attack and stroke. But they don't have neurologic disease. In fact, they're they're pr- quite precocious, smart. So uh, uh, people have been interested in this disease for a long time, but not only in an effort to try to help these kids, but also to try to understand how it might relate to normal aging, the rest of it.
0: Are there any treatments for Proceria today?
1: There is uh, one drug that's approved, uh, and it's uh, a, a farnesylation inhibitor, uh, a farnesyl transferase inhibitor, and I can explain a little bit about that if you're interested. But uh, it has a very modest impact. The kids do a little bit better with it, but it doesn't really... It certainly doesn't cure the disease. The average life expectancy is in the teens uh, around 14.
0: What is known about the underlying biology of the disease? How well understood is that?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because uh, the kids have a mutation in this gene uh, called LMNA, which encodes a protein called Lamin A. Uh, and uh, this lamin protein is a structural component of the nucleus of the cell, so it helps uh, organize the nucleus so that transcription and, and DNA replication and maintenance of DNA can can take place in an ordered fashion. Uh, when you have this mutation, it actually is a dominant mutation. It causes lamin to do things that it's not supposed to do, uh, and that disrupts several different activities in the nucleus of the cell.
0: Obviously, you're a a researcher focused on aging. How did you come to become interested in in a childhood disease? Is it a good model for aging as we know?
1: I think that the the normal aging field has debated whether these progeria models are good models to study aging. And I'm kind of strange because I was working on aging. And I also had a separate project at the time about 15 years ago looking at uh, these lamin proteins, which at the time had nothing to do with aging. So it was just fortuitous that that mutation was identified by Francis Collins, who's now the NIH director, uh, in lamin A that causes progeria, because at that point I was like, well, (laughs) I'm going to look into this because uh, I'm already working on lamin, but I'm curious if there are links between aging and this disease
0: process. So, do we know what role lamins play in normal aging? Uh,
1: not sufficiently. Uh, so, if I can talk a little bit more about the specific mutation in the progeria, what it does is it causes activation of a cryptic splice site. So, uh, I need to dig in a little bit here. Um, so, you make a, a long uh, RNA from the DNA, that's transcription, and then you cut out pieces of the RNA before you use the RNA to make protein. And how you cut out pieces of the RNA uh, influences what protein is made. So uh, in this case, you have a mutation that stops cutting out a certain part of the RNA, and you make a, a protein uh, that uh, misses essentially uh, 50 amino acids and, at the end of the protein. Now, the reason I'm telling you all that is that there's some evidence that this splicing alteration actually happens in normal individuals as they get old. So as we get old, we may make a protein that is just like uh, that uh, progeria protein that the kids have. Uh, and if that's the case, that could be contributing to aspects of normal aging. But I still think that's we, we still have to validate aspects of that. And so I think at this point, I remain somewhat agnostic as to whether the lamins are affecting normal aging or not.
0: You had mentioned earlier a a drug that's used to treat progeria today. Uh, Is this Lonefarnid? Yeah. So uh, this drug was originally developed to treat cancer, I believe. Do Do you think this holds promise and is it understood what that's doing?
1: Yeah, well, we know a lot about what it's doing. Uh, a lot of proteins after they get made, they get, uh, a, a, a lipid group called a farnesyl group, uh, put on the C terminus. And that often helps the proteins get targeted to membranes which are, have a lot of lipids. Uh, and so for a protein like RAS, which is a cancer protein, a signaling protein, it gets farnesylated and people develop farnesyl transferase inhibitors to block that process with the idea that they could stop proteins like RAS from being hyperactive and, and beat cancer therapy. It turns out that the, those drugs don't work especially well for cancer, although they are used in some cases. Um, but uh, the laminate gets farnesylated as well, and that probably targets it to the membrane around the nucleus, the nuclear membrane. Uh, and it goes through a similar process, so the idea was that if you could you could repurpose these forenal transferase inhibitors to block fornesylation of lamins, and that might be a therapeutic approach in these progeria kids and you know indeed, if you look at mouse models of the disease or, or the kids the clinical trials with the kids, it does seem to help, although the effects are very modest.
0: The thought i take it today is that it it may not be great on its own, but it may work as part of a, a cocktail of Drugs?
1: Well, I think that it's, it's, um, it's kind of, uh, you, you don't really have a choice in the way clinical trials are set up. So, when you do a clinical trial, you have, uh, you have to do whatever your new drug or therapy is compared to best of, current best of care. So, effectively, that means you're going to do the clinical trial with a lot of Farnab and another drug. Uh, so I, I would guess that the new therapeutic approaches that are being developed, and I can talk about some of those things, that they're going to be done in combination with monofarna. And, and it's true. They, you might see synergistic effects by targeting multiple aspects of the pathway. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you could see. It could be that for for this disease, and actually for a lot of diseases, that you're going to need multiple drugs to really have a major impact.
0: Well, you're conducting studies into two small molecules that have garnered interest as agents that might combat age-related chronic disease, rapamycin and resveratrol. Uh, I thought we could walk through each of those and and what implications it might have for for progeria. What what is rapamycin?
1: So uh, rapamycin is a very specific drug that inhibits this kinase, a protein kinase called TOR. uh, And uh, It's made by a bacteria on Easter Island, so that's why the name Rampa, uh, and mycin, because it kind of has antibiotic properties for fungi. Uh, but people got interested because TOR is often active in various cancer states, and so they thought rapamycin, this was decades ago, they started studying rapamycin to see if it would be a cancer drug. Uh, and in fact, it is approved for some rare forms of cancer, but Uh, again, much like the pronostyl transferase inhibitors, it's not as effective as people hoped. And part of the reason for that is that cells, cancer cells can figure out ways to get around, uh, this TOR inhibition that you get from rapamycin. So, uh, but, but it's a very specific drug. And we, our lab and others were about in the last decade have shown that uh, turning down this tor kinase extends a normal lifespan, and that works in yeast, it works in worms, and flies, and mice. Uh, and so, uh, rapamycin has been tested a lot in mouse models of aging, and, and you can get a 30% extension of lifespan with rapamycin. And as we might expect for an aging drug, it affects many diseases as well, because aging is the biggest risk factor for most of these chronic diseases, so if we can so aging, we can delay the onset of these diseases, and that's what rapamycin does. So so it's kind of a, working backwards. In this case, we're saying the, the, the concept is that if you have a drug that affects normal aging, then it might be useful for these kids with progeria. Uh, and the published data, mostly from Francis Collins' lab and, and collaborators, uh, I'm sorry, uh, people that, postdocs that came from his lab, are uh, showing that uh, you can, uh, re-activate autophagy when you treat these progeria cell- cells with, with uh, rapamycin. So, uh, for reasons that are not clear, if you have this mutation in lamin A, it blocks, uh, or reduces, uh, autophagy, which turns over damaged proteins in the cell. And we know, we've known for a long time that TOR regulates autophagy. More, uh, TOR, in fact, inhibits autophagy. So if you block rapamycin, loctore with rapamycin, you can reactivate autophagy. So the idea would be that it might be helpful with the kids. Uh, And we've been trying to test that in mouse models of disease, of the progeria.
0: And and for a a non-scientist, what is autophagy?
1: Yeah. So this is a a process by which damaged molecules get recycled in the cell. Uh, And so when you have a misfolded protein, it gets sent to this organelle called the lysosome where it gets recycled into amino acids. or And it can be even a damaged organelle like a mitochondria that gets targeted to the lysosome for recycling. So uh, autophagy is that recycling process. Uh, it's really important uh, for cells to function because it allows you to get rid of the the dysfunctional proteins that are accumulating. And some of those are, can be sources of oxidative damage. And, and so it's, uh, uh, it's kind of the the trash collection system of the cell.
0: So one of the thoughts about the process of aging is that there's a a breakdown in the ability of of cells to clear themselves of of cellular waste.
1: Yeah, and it may be that for normal aging, rapamycin works, at least in part, through activating this autophagy system.
0: So in the case of progeria, could the same be said? Is, Is that part of the thought of what's happening, that cells aren't clearing themselves of metabolic waste?
1: Well, that, that's what that data in cell culture would suggest, but I think that we really don't know that for sure. Uh, uh, what To what extent uh, altered autophagy is affecting progeria in the kids and in, in the mouse model. That's something that needs to be addressed in more detail.
0: An- another compound you're looking at is resveratrol, the uh, magic substance in red wine that people have long looked at for its properties of potentially countering aging.
1: Yeah, let, let me start with that statement about wine. Uh, I think the first magic substance in red wine is ethanol. <laughs> 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 because, because uh, you know, almost all of the studies that have been done looking at alcohol consumption and mortality rate in humans suggest that moderate alcohol consumption is beneficial for aging. Uh, now excessive alcohol consumption is a bad idea, but, but we're talking one to two drinks a day. And then there's some evidence that suggests that red wine is better than other forms of ethanol. Uh, and that's due to, or possibly due to these polyphenolic compounds that are in the skin of the grape. Uh, and resveratrol is one of those compounds, but there's actually a lot of them. Uh, in any case, uh, resveratrol has been tested because it acts Activates this protein called 31, uh, and 31 is a the more activity that you have, the, the at least if you're an animal model, <laughs> the the better you age. So uh, again, that the resveratrol is sort of a potential uh, longevity compound, and so that's why it was really considered in the progeria. So we we were collaborating with a lab in Hong Kong uh, that was studying a mouse model of progeria, and they showed that. Um, a couple things. One is that mesenchymal stem cells become dysfunctional in their mouse model of progeria. And that, uh, when you treat with resveratrol, you, uh, restore the function of these stem cells and you extend the lifespan of that, uh, mouse model. And so we've been testing it in a different, or, uh, a different model of progeria that is a exact copy of what happens to the kids.
0: not, not to be a wise guy, have we tried giving these kids ethanol?
1: Uh, no, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I think that, uh you know, the funny thing about ethanol, we're, we're starting to get into this, but studies, on, not on the progeria, but in normal aging, because um, we really don't know why ethanol is beneficial. Uh, there's, there's been a very limited number of studies in animal models. That's one of those rare cases where we have good data in humans, but but not much data in animals. So we need to go back and figure out mechanistically what's going on.
0: Well, what do we know about resveratrol in progeria patients?
1: Well, nothing in patients. Uh, to my note, uh, there there is a small clinical trial that was started in China, but I think there are only two, two kids that have been enrolled, and so there's not definitive data yet. Um, and, uh, of course, rapamycin is being tested clinically by Leslie Gordon and colleagues uh, in, on the East Coast, and, uh, so that'll be interesting. That's a much bigger study, uh, and we, I don't think there are any results for this yet.
0: Well, mechanistically, is there reason to believe resveratrol might have benefit for a presuria patients?
1: Well, it, the, the idea was that in this study in Hong Kong, that, uh, the lamins that I talked about are controlling CERT1 function, which might be a target of resveratrol. So, uh, when you had the progeria mutation, the 31 enzyme was dysfunctional, and you could restore that by adding resveratrol. So, yeah, there there is a mechanistic argument for why it might work, and uh, you know, our data in the other mouse model is not as positive. So we're trying to figure out if it's a we need to figure other use other strategies to activate 31 or or do different dosing with resveratrol right now to get it. A positive response.
0: Well, what, what is the status of your research into these compounds and, and what's the path forward in finding a way to slow or reverse the progression of Rosaria?
1: Well, so the data in our hands with the resveratrol is not positive right now, so we're still uh, trying to think about how to use other ways to activate that pathway. Uh, for rapamycin, we have kind of uh, uh, con- confusing results at the moment. So uh, we started off with a relatively low dose of rapamycin. and we, uh, we find that most mice are not affected by it. There are a few mice that seem to do better, and then there were a couple mice that seem to do worse. So, um, you know, we're trying to uh, figure out how to, why, why the mice respond differentially, and how to uh, get all the mice responding better. Um, you know, I think that Uh, these things are always challenging because mouse models are, they're not as expensive as clinical trials, but they're still expensive. And so, you know, what you'd like to do is to try five different doses of the drug and, and, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, it's just hard to find the money to do those kinds of studies. So we're, we're still trying to optimize, put it that
0: way. Progeria is an ultra rare disease. People sometimes question the investment and effort into finding therapies for such conditions, but, aging with any luck is something everyone stands to confront. This is an example I suspect of how research into a rare disease can give us insight into more common ailments. Have you gleaned any insights from this work to help us come to a better understanding of aging and and how to combat its negative effects or do you expect it to yield that?
1: I I do and and I think we've already learned that we, you know, lamins are now a candidate uh, to regulate normal aging, and there's some evidence uh, that that's happening. And uh, there certainly need to be more studies on that, but uh, I think that in this case, progeria is really starting to uh, inform us about aging. Now, this is progeria is what's called a segmental, Hutchinson Gilford disease is what's called a segmental progeria. Uh, and so, and like I alluded to earlier, what that means is that some aspects of aging seem to be accelerated, but not all of them. And so if you extrapolate from that, what you might predict is that some aspects of normal aging may relate to lamins, but not all of them. So, uh, I think we will learn things about aging from studying progeria. I, I'd also point out that, you know, that companies that are, uh, right in our backyard, like BioMaran and Ultragenics, have have figured out ways to develop drugs for these rare diseases uh and make money off of it. And so uh uh there are strategies to go forward to develop therapies and you know I was of the opinion when I started doing these studies that I was just inter interested in progeria to understand normal aging. But then I started meeting these kids with the disease and, and as soon as you meet them you're like, I gotta do something about this <laughs>
0: Brian Kennedy, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Buck Institute for Research on Aging. Brian, thanks so much for your time today. Uh,
1: anytime. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager.